Welcome to Full Stack Business Owner, where we are enhancing your full stack of skills to build wealth inside and outside of your business. Today, we're not actually going to be taking any answers from the audience. We're actually going to be running through what businesses would we start. Now, if you want to get involved in this conversation or actually share some of your thoughts, head over to the Facebook group. It's called Full Stack Business Owner Community and engage. Or you can just hit reply to Charlie's infamous newsletter emails and just tell him what you actually think about his very bad ideas today and just tell him how good I am. Um, so, are you throwing shots already? <laughs> throwing we're shots not already throwing shots. We're early in, like after the intro at least. Like. No, no, no. This is all before the disclaimer. So, let's cue the disclaimer. Charlie here from Full Stack Business Owner. I need to let you know that Grant, myself, and the Full Stack Business Owner team are in no way, shape, or form qualified to give you financial advice or pick investment products. We highly encourage you seek out and engage the use of professionals when making financial decisions or comparing investment products. All right. Interesting episode. So we have been challenged to come up with some of the best business ideas that we possibly can. However, Charlie, there are some rules. When you come up with your ideas, number one, it must be a new business. You can't say, sit there and say, I will go and open the same business that you're already running because that's cheats. You know, um, I've heard this episode I like structure done before and it always drives me insane when people just say the same business they're already in. Like, where's the fun in that? Like, clearly I think the business I'm in is a good idea. That's why I started it. Yeah, because I, I saw a niche. I saw, some, I saw some pain there. Number two, and this is going to be helpful for everybody, you cannot leverage your existing businesses. So it's as if you had none. Number three. I dig it. The assumption is if you needed startup capital, you could get it. You could get it. Right, so nice and easy. Um, and then number four is imagine that you were starting it today. So you're not waiting for some kind of fancy technology coming out or anything like that. So it was bang on today you were getting involved. Can I do the setup of where this episode come from before I uh, unveil? Oh, all right, go for it. So this episode, uh, sometimes uh, I have been accused, Grant, of being overly optimistic. Yes. So I've had some uh, doomsdays come after me and uh, make sure that I know that I have rose-colored glasses on. And they've gone, well, if there's so much opportunity, where is it? Like, what would you actually do if it's today? You speak of this opportunity, where? where? So this episode is for them. And I make sure I'm going to reply to those emails and send them this episode, <laughs> just to be clear. Watch this episode. Now, for everyone listening, because Charlie and I, you can never tell on these podcasts, we are not competitive at all because obviously everybody knows the far superior human being and we shan't name names. So when you listen through these business ideas, jump into the Facebook group and just tell us which idea you actually think was best and even sort of share your idea because I reckon, Charlie, whoever wins has to take the other one out for a steak meal. I mean, I'll also accept comments on the YouTube uh, video or if someone replies to the email and uh, has it in, but it's got to be, I've got to have proof of the vote. Yeah, and so when you're voting, my name is Grant, G-R-A-N-T, and you just put like a little, like a win trophy next to it. So that's just what you do. And that's like, you just, if you don't know what to say, just say that and we will be all good. All right, Charlie, enough uh, talking you down. I'll let you actually go first. So it's like we're flipping a coin and you're batting first. So you're Uh, up. All right, so business number one, a business I would start today is, I'm going to call this a combination business. This is one where I think there's two businesses that exist that should be combined to make a new kind of business. 
Are you ready? So it's a combo and it's combining bookkeeping and dashboards because, <sighs> yeah, so and I'll, I'll share where this one comes from. Uh, we do a lot of work with business owners. I see in a lot of business owners' uh, businesses and time and time again I go, oh, show me your P&L, like let's see how this looks. And they either don't have one or it's not set up correctly or it's just like an absolute mess. Yeah, I would say that 80% of business owners underdo their financial reporting. So I think it's a massive opportunity. I really do. But numbers for the sake of numbers are kind of useless. It's like you've got to be able to create something or turn it into insights that are useful. And I would love to see, <clears throat> love to see, and, and you know, one day I may even do this, um, although probably not. <laughs> <laughs> one day. It's on the one day list, combining that with a really good dashboard for business owners so they can stay, they can know in moment, where am I at? Like, am I on, on track or off track and bring that level of awareness to the things they're actually trying to achieve? So that's what I'm looking at here. It, it's funny. You say that as like this great business idea. And I actually think it's awesome to a guy that like, I, very fortunate that I get complimented on some of my dashboards here and there because everything has actual sort of outcomes. Uh, I actually looked at potentially starting a business like this like like five, six years ago because uh, and sort of more specifically around the business itself sort of, uh, I don't know that you're talking about the wealth and all that stuff. The interesting thing is that no one really has mastered this. This is a log into all these different tools. This is a pay somebody to go and copy paste data regularly. This is This is like a dark art because it actually gets people to ask difficult questions. So how would you scale this thing? Like how would you bring on clients? How would you sell it? Yeah, so I think selling it's actually pretty easy. I think any business owner that's uh, flying blind will happily pay to have good data so they can make better decisions. Yeah. Um, I think that's a huge one. So I think the demand in the market is there. Um, second to that, I really want to bring in, there's a nuance to this is like where I feel companies that do dashboards have failed before is like they rely on the business owner to put in the actual data where I look at this as a bit of a managed service. So yep. if someone's doing the bookkeeping is they're getting the data and they've got that all together. So their ability to make it done for you, the dashboard working correctly isn't reliant on the client doing anything it's this normal accounting procedure or bookkeeping procedure and then it being presented based on the goals of the business owner. So maybe you've got a goal where you say, look, I want to make a hundred grand a month. You would be able to spin out a dashboard that would highlight if you're on track or not on track for that with it and in your financial reporting. That's how I kind of see it. Um, how to uh, scale it. So to your question from there, this is one where I think that the tech just keeps getting better. Yeah. Yes, this is a people and service business, but my belief is we're a long way off AI actually doing books, like a long way off. But I do feel like the tools and things in this area are improving constantly. So as for tools to like build really good dashboards or pull feeds from things like Zero, I think is only getting better. And then I also think that there's a ton of talented developers out there that could build some really cool stuff that comes with this. I also think this is a bit like lizard brain. I think a lot of business would be a lot of business owners kind of want this stuff. Like even I want this more. Like <laughs> I want my, but I I, lo I love this from so many different ways because you could niche it down so easily and then just scale out one niche. And then once you've got like eighty percent of those dashboards that are repeatable to other areas, like most businesses want the same insights to go and do the same actions based on whether there's insights are positive or negative. But then once you've kind of done that and scaled that, 
you just hit one other niche. Like I, I love businesses where there is a clear path to scalability, um, but also you could define like the size of business, which I think is quite good. Like you could, I could see businesses paying quite a bit. In, in your mind, did you have like any kind of packages or product pricing or anything like that that you kind of thought through? Because now I'm actually interested. Now I'm curious about this one. I didn't go that deep because I see so many opportunities. You could do this for like, uh, for example, online businesses that deal in multi-currency could mm-hmm. be a really good one that I know is neglected. E-commerce could be a great one. Uh, businesses that deal with like big supply chains or complicated invoicing and they want to stay on top of their cash. Like, there's so many like sub-niches for this. Um, I did come up with like how I would do the offer though <sighs> to Bill Marketer. Give it. All right, this is my plan is like I would offer people like give me your last three months of reports and I'll show you what your reporting could look like. The offer is like you give them a taste of it. If you were to give them that and then give them a free reporting on every month, you could have this to make decisions in your company. This is what could be coming with. That's what I would sell on the back of. That's what I think is the like crux. I want to make them see how uh, poor in comparison the reporting they're uh, getting is and how much it's holding them back from uh, achieving things in business. And just how much they're making decisions based off like personal bias or just assumptions that they, they've got kind of a couple of things figured out when in actual fact they just don't. People are just making guesses based off what they see today without a dashboard. I am, um, yeah, I, I, could, I could see where a lot of people would lean into that one, Charlie. I can see you're ready to buy, right? <laughs> I might have already just won this. I, I, I don't know. I, I feel, I, I, I will say this, I feel as though you and I are on very similar wavelengths because my my one is very close to that. But all right, let's um, let's do your your first. We've got a few to get through. Let's right. let's nail it here. So th- this one is. I'm not merging any niches. I'm not doing anything crazy. Um, but the offer on this is kind of there's two prongs, and I, I did not know which one I could. I thought would be the best one to come in. So Charlie, you and I work with quite a few organisations that spend quite a lot on ads, right? Or even organizations. Just a touch. (laughs) (laughs) Correct. Uh, And things that fascinate me is just how often somebody will make a change to anything, whether it be like a website, whether it be like an ad, whether it be like an automation or something, and it will just break stuff. And there's just no one picks up on it because they've got so many things running, so much ads or whatever or leads coming in that if you just break this like little sort of 5%, it's like you don't feel it. It's not like you've gone from 100 leads down to none. So so this would be like uh, let's pretend someone changes a URL on a website and then it's a broken link on an ad or something or an automation breaks when someone changes something. Correct. So it's like like a leaky bucket. And correct, like we've seen these things where uh, they haven't put tracking codes on an ad. They have, uh, there's a, a, a post within a Facebook page or a Facebook group that's to an old URL that doesn't work anymore. Or the offer in the ad does not align to the offer on the landing page. Like there are a whole heap of symptoms. And so the whole- so I'm, just, I'm just laughing. I remember once I clicked on an ad and clearly that happened. It was like completely different business. <laughs> it was like it's something crazy like, oh, you know, get a plumber and you clicked on it. It was like an ad for like garden supplies or something. It was just so clearly a mistake. But anyway, and, continue. But it, and it, it's funny because it happens so much, but when you're at larger volumes, because obviously this would be tailored to people spending maybe five figures, six figures, seven figures on, on ads or doing like large new products or releases or launches or something, um, it's quite difficult, especially when you're rotating them so often. So it is funnel testing, right? So it's literally, so there are other businesses out there 
and I know someone who's got a couple of these sort of businesses where they go and click through the website and say what's broken. They'll test it on different browsers and do all of these things. This is different. This is, so as you roll out different ads, they come in once a week, once a fortnight, once a month, open all the ads and just walk through the whole process, the whole funnel, and just look for anything broken. They'll check that tracking codes are there. They'll check that all of these other things are there and it'll just give you a report every single week of what you need to do in order to fix it. And all it's about is just the insurance that sits on the back end of what you're spending on ads and marketing. Do you know that's exactly how I thought it? It's an insurance policy. Yeah. For, for a, like, if you're spending, let's say, a million dollars a month on ads, right, which I actually know some people that do that, right? Spending a million dollars on ads, is it worth you spending 10 grand to make sure that all that money you're spending on traffic is actually doing what it's supposed to do? Going to the places, getting tracked, getting uh, even to the point that, like, I thought through it where it's almost like a mystery shopper because you could have people completing these leads. Are your sales guys calling them? Is the checkout process working? So, like, you could actually put on add-ons on here to make more money through it. And if an organization is spending five, six, seven thousand dollars a month on ads in this example, uh, the budgets are pretty decent for them to have that kind of insurance policy. Because a leaky bucket on that is like, you, if you're wasting ten thousand dollars, it's a very small amount for them. But like, imagine the leads that they've just lost. All right, I can get behind this one. I actually like this one. Oh, I'm not going to say it's my favorite yet, but I do dig it. <laughs> The scalability is easy. So you just have processes. Again, you'd focus in on like a particular niche, for example. Or but I have to, this is a very grant business, I will say. Dude, very process-driven business. I, I like it a lot. Is, because, yeah, it's checklists, it's systems, it's based on ad platforms where leads go and all that. Uh, so then, yeah, you just go out, scale it based on a niche or ad platforms, and then you just continue to grow, grow, grow. Uh, also like it because it's got quite a bit behind it. Um, decent profit margins because you could obviously get sort of other people to assist you with it as opposed to you needing to do it. Uh, it's not a highly skilled demand idea. So it's like I don't need to be a, a rocket scientist to go and execute this thing. Like, no, no, no. No, not just, at all. just need to understand the touch points and be able to document it in a way where people know how to fix it. Heck, even if I wanted to, maybe I could actually have a service that fixes it for them. Like there's so many different things you could bring in. No setup costs. Like I could set up a landing page and start running these things. And uh, I've got networks and I know masterminds and meetup groups and all these kind of things where, to your point, like the offer is I could just go and review stuff and actually show them problems they've already got. And it would be pretty easy for me just to be like, do you want me to do that every single month for you? All right, I'll pay it, I'll pay yes. it. I- I'm in. All yes. Right, it's not a bad idea at all. Woohoo! All right, so so far I'm winning. Uh, so, Charlie, do you have <laughs> – all right, Charlie, what's your, what's your next one? Oh, are you ready? Okay. Uh, this one, this one's uh, coming. I think all of these will probably come from personal experience or things we've seen that other maybe others don't. The next one, I'm actually doing a demographics play here. All right, I will share that um, in my own life, one of the things I've noticed is uh, our parents are getting older. These boomers, and something I've noticed that has become and is oh, sorry become in demand, and I think is going to significantly increase in demand. When I talk to uh, mostly my parents or Bianca's parents, one of the things I notice very much is they all hate the idea of going into nursing homes. Mm-hmm. All of them hate it. Maybe there's a few exceptions, but it seems like there's a, a real attitude towards they want to stay in their homes as long as they can. So would you believe that someone in my life is spending significant money on renovating their home to make sure they can stay in it longer? And this is things like putting in rails, putting in ramps, putting in lifts, like making the house more accessible as they get older. 
Like it's a really big thing. And I didn't, I wasn't necessarily aware of this. So I'm looking at the demographics here and I think there is room for a renovation company or like kind of like, I'm not, a, I'm not going to call it a developer, but someone who comes in and does a renovation to make homes more um, friendly for people who want to live in them longer. Cause I don't think the boomers are going to downsize or move into retirement homes. I think this area of the market is going to expand significantly and someone who specializes in this will likely do very, very well. And there's so many things you could add on top of that because, and I'm actually going through this. So my, my grandma, she just recently had a fall. Uh, and she is, so she's in a retirement village. So she went from a house and then she needed a little bit more care. So she went to a retirement village. But it's like that halfway house between that and like a retirement home because everyone has their own independent houses. Um, but you could have like additional services to that point, which is uh, like nurses on call, which is like they could wear like the the necklace where they could push a button and things like that. So you could actually have add-on things to this idea. But you know what's interesting? You could actually adapt this where you put ramps and rails that are removable. So um, it, when the unfortunate does happen, whether they move to a, a nursing home or uh, unfortunately pass away, you could almost remove them and it becomes like a, a home that for sort of younger families and things like that. This is an interesting one, Charlie. This is, uh, yeah. Is this because it was like a, a relevant to like you personally? Like, or Yeah, so we, we actually have like, um, we're very fortunate that not only parents are alive, but grandparents are still alive. So we've actually got some uh, getting on in the years people around us. And uh, one of our family members just had a quote to get a lift put in their home because they don't want to move house. Yep. Like they look around and they go, they don't want to lose their friendship circle, their community. They like their life. They also tend to get stubborn when they're older, Grant. Dude, yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I get it. And I go, well, I don't think they're going to sell this house and buy another house. I think they're going to modify this. And then when we got a quote for a lift – in this home, it's a two-level home. I was like, what? <laughs> well, I don't want to say I fell off my chair. I've seen some expensive things, but I was like, I think this is underdone. I think yeah. this is going to, the demand for these types of things, whether it's, to your point, modifying staircases to ramps for outdoor things, just rails so that they can get in and out, modifying showers for easy access yeah. or bathrooms for easy access and things like that, I think is going to become a huge niche and if you look to uh, a lot of the houses are getting older as well, so needing other repairs and things like to in line with this, massive here, mm. massive. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely give that a check and it's because it's such a big ticket item and people who are getting older actually are the ones that, and this sounds terrible, are the ones with better, uh, great cash in banks, which means that it's an emotional buy. It's similar to- That's, that's how it's supposed to work. The youngest <laughs> generation is not meant to be the wealthiest, right? You're no. meant to accumulate things. So again, that was just another reason. Demand mixed with um, ability to pay, I think is a really unique one here. The only thing I didn't like about this business is just that it's uh, very localized. It's hard, would be mm. difficult to do this at scale across the, not impossible, but you would need to start in one area. Um, and then the other side of this is you do need skilled labor. So being able to carpenters, plumbers, electricians, things like that do come into it. Nonetheless, still think it's a winner. Yeah. Then I like it. I, uh, right. I'm up for it. And I, I just liken it to people buying stuff for babies and people buying stuff for weddings. Like it's a, such an emotional sell. It's like, oh, and I hate to say it, but I will, the funerals. Like they're just, they're blank check moments. It's like just whatever it takes to make this person comfortable. 
I, I All right, we're going to push through these. We are definitely running over time already. So, Grant, number two, lay it down. All right, now, what's really funny is my number two is kind of close to your number one. So, I'm going to tweak this again because I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an online cunt. Just don't you forever be the guy that copied me. <laughs> No, so right. so I had a list of other things that I think are great because I think that they would scale and they're uh, yeah I I just think that a lot of people could execute on it very quickly. So one of the biggest struggles that you and I see a lot is with content curators coming out with new ideas that make use of a whole heap of different things. So what can do I mean? Me, can you give me an example of that? Yeah, so when people start a podcast. They will say, here are like the first 10, 20, 30 episodes. Or when they start a YouTube channel, these are the first things I'm going to go for. Or if they start a blog, I'm going to write these 10, 20. And then they start understanding like SEO or something like that. And they'll start doing keywords. Maybe a lot of people are searching how to make money online, how to make money from a blog, how to make money from this. And then after six months, they run out. (laughs) Because they're like, I've created all the content. What are you talking about? And so it's actually an agency that would provide them that curation of content ideas broken down. Do you down. know how many times I've been asked for this? Yep. <laughs> I- <laughs> so the, there is nuances in how you would scale it and how you'd productize that service. But there is just so much demand where people are amazing at their craft and they hit like these 10 topics that are just amazing. And then six months later, it's just like, and what do I do now? Like, if that doesn't happen on this show at all, that isn't no, why we're doing a different episode today at all. No, I, I actually have firsthand seen this. And do you know what's interesting? Every business we have unpacked so far is just like, see how it's problem focused? Yeah. Like we're hunting for problems. Very interesting. Just a, and this is an easy sell. Just go and throw them some ideas. Go and show them what their competitors are doing that they haven't done. Because this is what a lot of content curators don't do is they don't go and assess the lay of the land. They don't go and see what other people have worked, what it has worked for other people. But they also don't check what other videos they've made that might not have hit that they might want to make again because now they're more matured, more well-rounded. And so this agency would actually go back, look at the back catalogue, say, hey, we need to rebuild something on this topic where usually the content creator would be like, no, I've already recorded one. No, 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 let's do this. And it's almost like a catalogue of things to create um, but with a mix of thinking about SEO, mix of thinking about sort of virality or mix of thinking about sort of, um, yeah, just things that people might want to click on and interact with. Making the content that creates the outcome, not the content they want to make, which is the big thing that gets a lot of uh, creators, right? They're making content that doesn't necessarily hit or doesn't hit on keywords and then it never gets the reach or exposure and it can be a bit of a struggle. So I see it. The only one I want to throw here is like, how does this scale? Because I look at this as very personalized. Correct. And so you would focus around sort of macro industries. So if I use digital marketing for one, you try and sort of focus in on digital marketing, specialize in, okay, cool. This is what people who offer Facebook ads can sort of create. And then you'd apply that to other realms. So it's like, just pick up that cookie cutter and drop, 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 drop. Can I just follow on on that example? Let's pretend you focus on digital marketing. Mm-hmm. Would you, you would try and get some clients like all in the same niche type thing. And then let's say a Google update comes out. You go, guys, this has just come through. Latest news has come out. You all need to be making a video on what's happened in this last update. Face- this is what happened. Exactly. Facebook changes the ad interface. What do you do now? Facebook comes out with a new change. What do you do now? Oh, the tool that we I, all I'm use. I'm not sure I do that one. It changes too quickly. It's better to just like. <laughs> but think about the content. Like think about like that's what people are searching for. Like it's like this is. And so you almost just have a piece of people sitting on like Google alerts and sort of other areas. And it's just like people coming in 
with information. There's probably some great tools on this as well. Like I think there was like Topic Mojo and things like that. You could like for a bit of leverage so you're not doing this so uh, manually. But I I see it. I actually think this is a great problem, I think, to solve. I think probably a very profitable one to solve as well. Especially with like if you think about the guys that have got like 100,000 subscribers, million subscribers, and they've just been producing content for a year, six months, and they've it's almost like it's laborsome to go and create more content because they just don't know what to create next. Now, you're not trying to create like viral TikTok videos or anything like that. You're talking about value-add sort of educational things, which I think that because the world changes so much, you can actually improve on top of that just depending on the niche you go with. Um, again, scales quite quite well as long as you can solve the problem around how do we in, how do we receive information around said niches so that we can provide recommendations, which I think you can. Uh, I actually think that a lot of people would pay for this. Or even subscribe, even if you want to make an email, they could subscribe to the email, choose their category, and you can push out different ideas and stuff like that. Like there's so many different ways you could play for this as opposed to just an agency. Yeah, I dig that a lot. Yes. All right. I am going to let you, Charlie. Now, I know that we said we'll probably do two apiece and we've done four pretty darn good ones. Do you have an honorable mention or one that you just like, this just didn't didn't make the cut? Because I am just curious now. All right, so uh, we, we record in the morning. Right? It was pretty clear. Now, this, this morning when I got up, I had 12 on this list. <laughs> so I had to color it down and I was like uh, reasoning with myself all morning about why this one, why that one. And, and the first two I've given, I just I think they're um, really strong and I would argue that they're probably the strongest. But this one I've got next, I just see immense opportunity and it's I, I have to get it out there. I can't resist. All right, go, go. Okay, so um, in recent times, one of the things I've been doing is actually getting on a lot of email lists. So we do the newsletter at uh, Full Stack, which shameless plug, get on that newsletter. I put a lot of effort into writing those emails. They're awesome. Um, One of the things I notice though when I get on a lot of other people's lists is like I've set up these filters and I'm going through it and I'm like, most people suck at email marketing. So I'm getting on these lists and it's actually like actually not a good experience. They either don't email frequently, they're templated emails that are crappy, like there's a lot of waste here. And I look at it and go, this is the business model that I think is very, very achievable these days. I think if you're uh, willing to go to business owners that have big email lists and partner with them, go, hey, and this is the idea. Let's use an example here. Let's pretend someone's uh, in e-commerce and they're selling shoes and they're doing a crappy job with their email list partner with them and then take a rev share on the sales you make with their email list. So if someone out there is a talented writer or can build a talented writer or or sorry, a talented team of copywriters to go into businesses that are neglecting their email list, because it's easy to find, you just sign up for all the email lists and see who's doing poorly and then approach them to say, I think I can do your emails better. Let me do this for free. I'm not going to charge you anything to do it, but I want a percentage of the profit or the revenue I sell from the emails that I actually send out. So why I think this is so uh, appealing is as an offer to a business owner is like, well, they're not making sales from these emails any- anyway. So it's like there's no there's no cost to them in doing it. It's all upside. They're going to make extra sales or it doesn't work and it doesn't cost them anything. And I think this could be rolled out in many ways. I mentioned like e- e-commerce would be a really good one to do it because you could send traffic back to buy website, oh, sorry, buy products. But I think this could be done in lead gen as well. Mm. So like how many people do we know that are using like uh, lead forms or landing pages to like get leads for a sales team, for example? 
But then I know firsthand is like they don't do anything with those email lists after. Yeah. And it's like sales what, go calls them, just does nothing. And where the additional leverage from would be playing in the se- in the one niche. Mm-hmm. So it's like, all right, I'm going to get really good at finance leads or I'm going to get really good at e-commerce uh, fashion or something like that. And when you write a good series of emails, then just replicating it across different niches. Yeah. Or sorry, different clients, same niche. Because there's – the fundamentals will stay the same. The pain points will stay the same. Just the only thing that tweaks is the stories that sit on top of it, right, where you can still hit the same pain points that will drive them to um, and buying a product or buying a service, et cetera. Um, but then, yeah, you can rinse and repeat it without it being just a complete copy and paste. This is an interesting one because it's so underused. It is like people, especially people either use their list to generate all of their revenue or they use their list not at all. Like it's just like a maintenance thing. So yeah, we'll just send something out once a month. Like it's some either- crappy active campaign template with yeah. very little content in it. Yeah, like it's it's either you are a master at it or you just like randomly do it. Like there's very few people that kind of sit in this middle of going, well, if I just did it better <laughs> than most of the other people, I'm going to make more money. So the, I know how much can come from email, and I know how much can come from these types of uh, sort of processes. So I am for this, and I reckon there is a Big market, big market sitting in there. Funnily enough, one of my honourable mentions was email related as well. Um, one of the things I know when we do an email that sort of stresses me out was uh, going, well, is this subject line going to be too long on a thousand different devices? Is the pre-header text, which is like the little summary after the email, going to fit? Like if someone checks on a mobile, off, like an iPhone or on like a tablet or on like a computer, like is it still enticing enough? And then I Googled it and there's actually companies out there that have software that's like, this is what it's going to look like on 10,000 devices. And it's just like little summaries of your emails. And then they even do like deliverable, like sendability kind of scores, which is like, is it going to be landing in spam and stuff like that? I'm like, yep, no, can't mention this idea, but. So it exists. Yeah. Well, well, this one's a bit unique. I want to throw a few points on it. Why I like it a lot is one, if you're willing to be a good copywriter, you can probably do this on your own. Mm. You don't need a big team. You might have one writer or something like that. Two, high leverage. If you master a niche and you could put it across several clients, you can write one email and potentially send it across five brands. Um, Three is like it's also got massive leverage from like you could scale purely on the sizes of the lists that you're working on. So if you're working with someone with a list of 1,000 versus 100,000, the ability to generate a lot of sales and be credited on the work you do, I just think it's a very unique model and a very unique offer. And it's so sticky. Like if it's working, why would anyone leave? Like it's like, it, it, like when you sell into somebody, like that, that will be a client for a very, very, very long period of time, as long as, especially if it's working. Like there, there would be no need. Like if they, they weren't doing it before and then you started doing it, and you were starting to be successful, why would they stop doing it? Well, if you could, as I said, is like it doesn't cost the business anything. It's just utilizing the wasted email list, which I think is a, just a unique spin. I love that. So there we go. I'll, I'll allow people who are listening to vote for one of Charlie's three because actually I, th- I did think your honorable mention was like a, a pretty darn good one. And so for myself, anyone vote on my two. And I'm curious who's going to be the victor here, Charlie. Because I actually, I actually liked some of your ideas. I thought the uh, we'll see, yeah, we'll see. The turning your house into its own retirement home was a pretty good one. I'm sure you could brand it better, but uh, no, so no, I think I think I would call it that exact. No, <laughs> just <shoot>. <laughs> <laughs> turning your house into a retirement home that is fantastic. 
everybody, uh, we're going to throw this up uh, into the Facebook group. Go and interact with it. Uh, so if you want to shout your vote out, yeah, comment below on YouTube channel into uh, the Facebook post or wherever you're checking this out. We'll go and gather it all up uh, and we'll announce the winner. So if you do want to be in the Facebook group, head over to Facebook, join the Full Stack Business Owner community. Uh, look out for this video and then shoot your shots. Or even when you get the email talking about this, hit reply to Charlie and just tell him how much better my ideas were. And then I'm sure he will just delete it and he won't tell me that I get a vote because he just wants to make sure that he'll win. If they send it via email, I might just not count some of your votes. Like, I do think about that. But I, I actually know because, like, I just cannot beat you um, without it being ethical. Like, I want to beat you at your best. What? I almost want to give you a sympathy vote to start just so when I crush you on these ideas, it's, it's like really rubs it in. I've, like, totally wound this up just for pure disappointment on my behalf. Like, this is, like, I'm just going to be walking away here strutting, like, hey, Hazel, I crushed this. And then it's just my... Everything about me is just going to be crushed if I lose. Um, so be sure you're on the newsletter to hit reply. Uh, and if you did enjoy this episode, uh, let us know or even share it with someone else who might just be coming up with some challenges, coming out with business ideas or just looking to pivot because this these kind of episodes should help them out as well. And I just want to say thank you again for joining us and we look forward to catching you on the next episode of Full Stack Business Owner.